Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. I want to just again remind you very quickly, if I could, I don't want to spend a lot of time doing this, but we are praying through expansion at our church. God is blessing us with more and more young families and and, um, guests on a regular basis, and so we're really praying through some expansion. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it this morning. We're going to basically um, expand in here. Uh, by about 60%, we're going to build a lobby out there. We're going to build a children's building over there. Okay, that's the big picture. Um, what I want to do instead this morning is to tell you a couple of very important things. One is, I need you to be praying about this. Okay? I need you to be praying about this. We want the Lord to be a part of this, to give us direction, um, to show us exactly what He wants us to do. We don't want to do anything without the Lord just directing our path, directing our steps. And so I, I'm just, I'm pleading with you to pray about this, please. Please pray about this. Pray about the Lord's will and the Lord's blessing and that we would just uh, seek Him and trust Him. And then the second thing I want you to know is we are going to do a set of uh, kind of Q&A. I don't want to do that on Sunday morning because we, we need to study God's Word and praise His name in our time of worship. But we've set aside four different times where you can come and hear and ask specific questions. Uh, the first one is going to be today, September the 10th at 12 p.m. So immediately following the 11 o'clock service, we're going to do it right in here. So go to Sunday school, come back in here. We're not going to be real long, I promise, but I want to give you a chance to ask questions. Uh, I'll have more pictures. Uh, I'll have the blueprints if you want to look at them. Anything you want to know, um, come in here right after the service. We'll do another one next week, the 17th. The 20th is a Wednesday night in the Fellowship Hall. And then the 24th, we're going to try to do Facebook Live. That's kind of cool to me. I don't know if it's going to work or not, but... Um, We'll see. So we'll, at 8 o'clock, I'll get on Facebook and answer questions that way as well. So we're, we're giving you multiple ways, multiple opportunities to learn. I will meet with you. I had somebody this week stop me and say, listen, you need to be careful saying you're going to meet with everybody. You're going to have too many meetings. I, I'll meet with you. I will make the time. If you have a concern or a question or uncertainty, I will meet with you to make sure you understand what's going on. I want you to feel comfortable about this uh, and, and just allow the Lord to speak, okay? So, so be in prayer about this. Great, exciting things uh, and exciting discussion uh, about what the Lord's doing in our church. We're very thankful. So be in prayer. October the 1st, we're going to ask you to vote on this and make a decision whether or not to move forward. The deacons have approved it, but the church needs to approve it and so just be in prayer ask the Lord to speak through you okay second thing very quickly before I begin is um, we're in prayer obviously we've got the buckets that you can send to Harvey uh, Irma now has turned north and is heading this way and, and by the way if you're if you're a guest of ours because you've kind of fled and you're moving north welcome we're glad you're we had somebody in the 830 service from down in Tampa if you're here welcome I'd love to meet you just to connect with you before you leave this morning but I just want to pray specifically for all that's happened with Harvey all that's going to happen now with Irma, with all the millions of people affected on the peninsula and then in South Alabama, uh, South Georgia, and probably here sometime uh, Monday. Let's just be in prayer for those people. And so just join me, if you would, as we pray this morning, just praying the Lord's grace and blessings upon those people. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you for your mercy in our lives, Lord. We, we just... Um, We praise your name for all that you are. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Father, we know very clearly that you hold the fate of millions of people right now in your hands. You you hold that hurricane in your hands. You are in absolute control. 
And so, Father, we just pray blessings upon those people, Father. We, we pray grace upon those people. We, we pray protection and safety upon those people. I pray they'd make wise choices in the next few hours, Father, and decisions they make. Father, I pray you would just wrap your arms around them and, and just blanket them with protection, Father. And, and then even in the midst of a, a, a horrific storm, Father, all that happened with Harvey and all that's happening now, Father, may your name receive glory. May you be honored, Father. May, may we praise your name even in the storms because we know your majesty, Father. We know your glory. We know your beauty. We know your holiness, Father. Praise your name for all that you are, for all that you will do. Father, be with us now as we turn our attention to the truth of your word, as we open up the scriptures, just enlighten our hearts, open our eyes to see and know and understand. And Father, as we pray every Sunday, and I continue to pray for the precious people of this church, Father, may we be transformed through the study of your word, Lord, and through prayer and through trusting you. May we be transformed more and more, day by day, into the image of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I'll invite you to take your Bibles this morning and open Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. We are continuing our study now through the book of Acts. We've entitled this sermon series From Ordinary to Extraordinary and we're walking kind of verse by verse all the way through the book of Acts to try to understand how the Lord is at work, what He's doing through the apostles, what He's doing in the early church, how the Spirit is at work. And, and I love this study and I love this title because we're really beginning to see more and more, we're going to see it again this morning, that God is going to take kind of some ordinary people, sinful people, and just do extraordinary things through them. Now, just to kind of make sure you, you know where we are and, and to catch you up, if you hadn't been here for the last couple of weeks, Jesus, at this point in our study, has ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit has been given to the followers, to the believers. They were afraid, hiding in an upper room. The Spirit fell upon them. Uh, miraculous things began to happen. They, they came down out of the upper room. And so what we've seen so far is kind of a, a study of the group, right? The group of apostles, the group of the early believers. We read last week now, that, or a couple weeks ago that 3,000 people came to know Christ. So we're seeing these groups of people affected by the power of the Spirit. And so we're going to go this morning now from kind of the group of the apostles in the early church and the believers now that have come into the faith. And, and we studied last week in chapter 2 the, the, the people that met together in the homes. We're going from groups of people now that the Lord has used to kind of some individuals. Because our study this morning and really for the next couple of weeks is going to be about Peter and John, but specifically about Peter, a man that was fearful, a man that was timid, a man that was in hiding, a man that left Christ at his most dire moment and fled. This same guy now, the Lord has empowered through the Spirit, has given a sense of boldness. He's now walked down out of the upper room, preached to thousands of people, thousands of people have been saved. And so now we're going to kind of begin to follow and, and, and notice how the Lord is going to use Peter how the Lord is going to bless Peter and how the Lord is going to really do extraordinary things through the life of Peter. So let's begin this morning in Acts chapter 3. We have it on the screen as well, beginning in verse 1. So now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, right? So they're walking to the temple. Peter and John, they're together. They are going to pray, preparing for the Lord to speak. Verse 2, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that's called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. 
So this guy's brought to the temple. He's laying there. He's asking for money. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter, verse 4, directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. Now stop for a second right there. I want to, I want to kind of push the pause button. I want to give you a truth, and then I want to begin to think about how we apply that to our lives. Here, here's the first truth I want you to see. Very important. Number one, we have it on the screen. Peter recognized the need and was willing to do something about it. Now there's kind of two parts of this equation. The first is the recognition. We're going to think about that here in just a few minutes. He recognized that there was a need, first of all. But maybe the more important part of the equation is that he was actually willing to do something about it. Now, if you remember a few weeks ago when we read in Acts chapter 1-8, I, I believe, and I kind of argue that Acts 1-8 is like the thesis statement for the book of Acts. It's foundational. It kind of gives us our marching orders. Acts 1-8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth or the ends of the earth. Right, so, so the challenge to the believers was to receive the Spirit and then very simply to be witnesses for Christ. Right, so, so their calling is once you receive the power of the Spirit, which they've done now in Acts chapter 2, you are to go out as believers and witness for Christ. Right, share the gospel, share the good news of Jesus Christ. You're supposed to do it in Jerusalem first, then Jer Judea Samaria, which is regional, then to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so we just kind of imagine that all these believers, now there are 3,000 have been saved. The Bible tells us at the end of chapter 2 that more and more are being added. We just get this sense now that all these these believers are going out into the city, two by two, small groups, doing miraculous things through the power of the Spirit. John Stott said these people were commissioned by Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's Acts 1-8 being lived out in the individual life of the believer. Now, fast forward 2,000 years, think about our own life and think about our own church and ask the question, are we actively living out Acts 1-8 in our lives? Right, are, are we kind of taking what we learn and, and taking the power of the Spirit, leaving the upper room, so to speak, you know, leaving the sanctuary, going out into the city, going out into the region, going out into other parts of the world? Are we actually going out and living out Acts 1-8, kind of like an army, just kind of spreading out, going to do the will of Christ? Because I just, I just want to encourage you and just remind you again, we're not called to sit in the upper room. We're not, sit, we're not called just to kind of sit and, and, and soak and just to kind of be aware. We're called instead to go out into the highways and the byways, locally, regionally, around the world, and to be witnesses for Christ. And we have specifically been given the power of the Spirit in order to do that. Right, so, so John and Peter now are aware of the calling. They're aware of what they're supposed to do. They've come down out of the upper room. They've walked into the city now. They're spreading out. They're sharing the gospel. They're walking to the temple now in order to pray. And they come across this man that's just kind of laying here. Now let's just make sure we, we understand the context of the first century. Back then, no hospitals, uh, no medicine that we understand, no surgery, uh, no, no rehab center. This man, the Bible tells us, has, has not been able to walk basically since birth. And every day they bring him to the temple courts. They lay him there by the gate and he asks people, people for money. That's his only hope of income. 
That's his only hope of survival. There are places in the world still where you see this, where beggars kind of lay on the street. The only way they can survive is that people give them money. <clears throat> Oftentimes they go to crowded areas, crowded streets, temples, or places of worship around the world because they hope that the people coming in will give them money. So this guy's laying there. He's asking for money. Peter and John walk by. He gets their attention. And this is interesting to me. It's kind of important. I want you to understand. As they're walking by, they do something that may seem insignificant, but I think it's really important. As they're walking by, as they see this guy laying there, they stop. Now, I just, I kind of, I just kind of took a, a, maybe a mental inventory of my life as I was walking through this this week and kind of started thinking about back maybe over the last week or several weeks or month. And I just asked myself the question, how many times have I noticed need in the world and not stopped? Like how many times have I walked by a person in need, right? There's, there, there, there's all sorts of need we can talk about. There, there's, there's, there's physical need, there's emotional need, there, there's poverty, there's, there's disease. It's very easy for us to see these things and sometimes even recognize that they're there and recognize that there's an issue and recognize that there's great need and just keep on walking. Because we're busy or we're on our way to do something or we've got a deadline or, or there's something else more important. But I just think it's important to, to realize and to be reminded that Peter and John not, not only recognize the need, but they stop and they're willing to do something. Now, I want, I want to carry this a step farther because I want to make sure we understand the importance of what's going on right here. It's very easy for us to talk about physical need and, and poverty and disease. And with a hurricane in Texas and coming up Florida, I mean, there's just great amounts of need. We're doing the buckets. I'm sure we'll do something for the people in Florida. There's, there's just great need. And we want to be involved and we want to help. And Christ would have us help. And those are all good things. Yes. But, but I fear sometimes as believers that what we do is, is we forget that the most important need people are ever going to have is the need for the truth of the gospel. Because it's, it's easy for us to give a few dollars, to, to sacrifice a little bit of time and effort. And again, those are good things. We need to do those things. But we've, we've got to get to this point where we understand that the ultimate need people face is the need for the truth of Jesus Christ. Right, and so I, I want to say this. I said it a couple of weeks ago, but I, I want to say it again because I think it bears repeating this morning. Never underestimate the power of the gospel in somebody's life. Never underestimate the power of the gospel in somebody's life. They need food. They need supplies. They need all the things. Money, all those things. Yes, yes, yes. They're important. We want to do them. But never underestimate their need for Christ. See, we, we've been given this incredible gift as believers. We've been given this gift of eternity. We've been given this gift of the Spirit. We've been given this gift that if we'll trust Christ and live our lives for Him, He'll give us peace and hope and use us to accomplish great things. We've been given the answer. How ridiculous would it be if we kept that to ourselves and instead said, I'll give you ten bucks, but I'm not going to give you the keys to the kingdom. <laughs> How sad would it be for us to help people physically and neglect them spiritually? So Peter and John see this guy, they're, they're willing to help him, they're willing to stop, they're willing to do something about it, right? They don't just notice, they're willing to actually help. Now look at what happens in verse 5, let's continue, we have that on the screen. 
So he fixed his attention on them, right? So Peter and John get the guy's attention. He fixes his attention on them. Why? He's expecting to receive something from them. This guy is begging. He's been there most of his life. He's accustomed to getting people's attention. He's holding his hand out or maybe has a little pot. He expects them to give him some money or a little bit of food. Verse 6, but Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Let's stop there. Here's the second thing I want you to see, right? So let's just understand the progression here. Peter and John are walking. They've come up to the temple. They're going to pray. They notice this guy. They're willing to do something. They stop. They understand there's a physical need. They also understand there's a spiritual need. And what Peter and John do next, Peter specifically, number two, is he's going to act in faith. Peter's going to see a need, recognize a need, stop, and his next decision is not going to be based on what he wants or what he thinks or monetary or any other things that we make decisions on. Peter, very simply, is going to act in faith. Right? Again, application for our lives. When I come to a place of need, when I come to somebody that's desperate for something and I want to help them how often am I acting in faith how often am I acting kind of in the worldly things and what I think the person needs right, because it's, it's interesting to me right there, this is a man who hasn't walked since birth right he hasn't been able to walk Peter and John stop by this guy's not considering healing right now he wants money Nowhere in his mind at this moment is the idea of walking. In his mind instead is if I can get a little bit of money, a little bit of food, I can survive again today, eat something tonight, maybe do all this again tomorrow. It's kind of a moment-by-moment survival. So this is important. I want you to hear what I'm saying right here. What he wanted and what he needed were very different. You understand that? What he wanted... And what he needed were very different. And it took the faith of another person to show him that. It took Peter walking up and acting in faith for this man to recognize, you know, I really don't need money. There's something better out there. I really don't need food. There's something better out there. I really don't need monetary help. There's something better out there, right? And so Peter acts in faith and something miraculous happens. Now, I always like to kind of put myself in this situation. Like when I'm reading Scripture, sometimes it's fun for me to think through what would I do, like how would I have responded Usually it's not the right answer, right? Sometimes I think, I don't think I would have quite done it like that. I think about this guy, if I was walking somewhere, just put yourself now, current LaGrange, uh, sometime later this week or next week. Walking down the street, somebody's sitting there asking for some change. Maybe they're hurt. Most people, most people usually just walk right on past. If you do stop, maybe you give him a little bit of money. If, if you see somebody that's injured especially or can't walk, I'm thinking about if I saw a, a person like this that couldn't walk, I would maybe stop, have a conversation, give a little bit of money. I would probably have prayer with that person. But I'm just, being, I'm just being totally honest with you, and I feel like you would say the same thing. I don't know in my brain if it would ever register I needed to try to heal this man. 
Like, I just don't know if that's the first thing that pop in my mind. Like, I, you know, if I just pray for this guy in faith, he'll get up and walk and the Lord will be glorified. I just don't know that would come through in my mind. I, I hope it would, but I'm just not sure it would. But we see with Peter, Peter's not interested in the money. He tells him, I don't have silver, I don't have gold. None of those things you think you need are what you really need. Instead, I'm going to give you another gift. And then he does this just incredible thing, right? He just simply says, get up and walk. Just, just get up and walk, right? He, he just completely acts in faith, and this guy is immediately healed. It's just, it's, it's a, it's hard for us even to imagine. I mean, we, we've read this or seen this so many times, maybe we've become accustomed to it, or, or maybe we're kind of numb to it. I don't, I don't really know, but I just think, you no, know, if this happened now, if we experienced this now or saw this now, I, I just can't really imagine how this would impact our lives, how this would impact the people around us. And I want you to notice what happens here, right? So he, he's healed. He's immediately healed. And I want to give you kind of a, a couple of reasons here. I, th- I think this is important for us to understand as he, as he kind of commands him to get up. Bring up verse 6 again just for a second. Let's just, let's just read back over it. So Peter said, I have no silver and gold. What I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Now pause that just for a second. Just leave that verse up. There's a couple things because we see this and we think, how is this possible? How is this actually taking place? Uh, you know, how did this really happen? A, a couple things I want you to see that I think are important here. The first thing we would notice about this that, that's important and probably gives Peter the ability to do this is that he's filled with the power of the Spirit. We've already kind of said that. So Peter's not acting on his own strength. He's not acting on his own ability. He's not using his own wisdom. He's filled with the power of the Spirit, which, again, just translate to our lives. What could we accomplish if we allowed the Spirit to work through us? Same Spirit. Same Spirit that led Peter that day is the same Spirit that lives within you if you're a believer. So what are, what are we allowing the Spirit to accomplish through us? And then the second thing I think is really important is that Peter called on the name of Jesus. See what he says right here? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I've said this before. I'm just going to keep saying it. I think it's worth repeating. I think we miss it far too often. The name of Christ, the gospel is enough. We sometimes don't think it is. We think we need to do other things. Like what else should Peter have done? It couldn't be that simple. Just get up in the name of Jesus and walk. We, we want to add to it. We want to make it more complicated. We want to try to explain it. It's really just about Christ. It's really just about Jesus working through the life of this man. It's really about the Spirit empowering Peter to do great things for the kingdom of heaven. It is so simple, and yet it's so profound. All right, but I want you to notice, pull up verse 7 if you would, what happens here. So he tells him to rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand, raised him up, and six weeks later the man was able to walk. Right? Or after, per- after a period of rehab and uh, three surgeries, the man was able to walk. Or it took a couple more years and he regained his balance. And No, no, no. What's, what's the word right there? Immediately. Right now. I, I think some of us need to be reminded, and, and there's kind of two sides to this coin. I think some of us need to be reminded that when the Lord is ready to work, he works right now. Some of y'all know this because you've prayed for years. And all of a sudden the Lord just in his time worked. It doesn't take months or weeks or years or decades or whatever. Lord works. He works immediately. Now here's the problem with that, right? And here's the other side of the coin. It's not always in our timeline. He doesn't always work in our timeline. 
And so that, that's where the problem lies. Right? We know the Lord can work immediately. We just want Him to work immediately now. And you may say, you know what, dear Christian, when I get ready, I promise you it's going to happen immediately. But not until I'm ready. Because there's a reason you're going through this. There, there's a reason you're struggling through this. There, there's a reason this is happening. It's probably bigger than we'll ever understand. We may, may never even get the answer this side of eternity. But there's a reason this is happening. There's a reason you're dealing with this. You continue to pray through this. I'm going to work, the Lord says. I'm going to build your faith. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to strengthen you. And then when the time is right, immediately I'm going to do something incredible. And all the world's going to notice. I went back through some of the miracles of Jesus. I was just curious in the, in the Gospels, and I don't have time this morning to, to read them to you, but so many times Jesus worked, and the Bible says immediately this person was healed. And so Jesus tells the man to get up, and immediately he gets up. Jesus rubs the mud in the guy's eye, and immediately he can see. He cleanses the leper, and, and immediately he's healed. Right? Jesus works, and immediate things happen. It's just not always in our timeline. And so as we kind of just process this and, and think about this idea of healing and, and the Lord working and, and our idea of patience, we begin to see that the Lord's going to do great things. He's going to do extraordinary things through us. It's just not always in our timeline that it happens. And so we build faith. We deepen our walk. We trust Christ even in the difficult times. And let's continue. Look at verse 8. <clears throat> So leaping up, right? So there, there's this immediate, not only is he healed, he's jumping. This is a guy that's never walked before. His ankles and his legs now are strong. He's healed. He leaps up, leaping up. He stood and he began to walk. And he doesn't go home. He enters the temple. He walks into the temple with him, walking. And there it is again, leaping, praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him. As the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms, right? So they see the guy, they recognize the guy, they're like, this is the guy that's been sitting here for 20 years, he's never been able to walk. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Here's truth number three. When miraculous things happen like this, number three, God receives or received the glory. It's all about the Lord here. It's all about Christ. It's always about. It's all about the name of Jesus. It's all about the gospel. It's all about the Lord receiving glory. I love what happens there in verse eight because two different times we're told that he leaps up. He's excited, and then at the end of verse eight and the end of verse nine, the Bible says that he's praising God. There it is again, right? He's leaping and praising God. Bring verse nine up, and he's. Walking with the people, and the people saw him, and he's praising God, right? So there's, there's this sense of his excitement, he's walking, he's leaping, he's praising the Lord. God receives the glory, and when he does that, when God receives the glory, other people are amazed, they're filled with wonder and amazement at all that he's done. I'm reminded, you don't have to flip back, but in your Bibles, where your Bible's open, you may already see it, but in Acts chapter 2, verse 43... When we think about the, the church and the Holy Spirit falling upon the believers, the Bible says, all came over every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, right? Miraculous things happen when spirit-filled believers obey the calling of Christ. Do you understand that? Miraculous things happen when spirit-filled believers obey the calling of Christ. You know, I, I tell these stories about people of other 
uh, religions, other backgrounds, different parts of the world, having kind of miraculous things happen to them. I, I talk about dreams that a lot of Muslims have, and I talk about the healings we see with the Hindu people and how I've had personal conversations with people that have experienced those. I had a lady come to me a couple of weeks ago and tell me the story of her son who's in another church, and, and she said that the, there, there's a, a Muslim man that's been kind of reaching out to the pastor of the church. This is in another state. And he said, listen, pastor, I just would like to come have a conversation with you. And the pastor's like, of course, I'd be happy to talk to you. Come have a conversation. And, and the guy comes in and he says, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a Muslim and I've grown up in a Muslim home. And, and I, I just have some questions of, about Christianity because I've been having this dream, he said. And I'm not quite sure what's going on with the dream and I'd like you to help me interpret it. And of course, the pastor explains Christ to him, right? We, we see these things over and over. We've seen them in other parts of the world. We see them here in America. We see miraculous healings. When, when the Spirit is unleashed among the people... When believers are faithful to trust and to seek the Lord, great, incredible, miraculous things happen. And when they do, this is important, when they do, a lot of times we miss this, right? We think that the miraculous thing is all about the person. We think the healing is all about the person. We think the healing is all about what happens and all that. It's really about the glory of the Lord. The, the miracles of Scripture are always done so that the Lord will receive glory. Did you know that? So, so when the Lord does something miraculous in your life, He should receive glory. I just, I just wonder, how, how many miraculous things do we miss sometimes, right? We, we, we chalk something up to the doctor missed it, or this person made a mistake. Or how many times have you heard, you know, I can't believe that the doctor said this, and then they went back two, two months later, and it wasn't there. And What if we just started saying, man, the Lord's doing miraculous things even today. The, the Lord's healing even today. The Lord is going to receive glory even today. And so again, we just, we just insert ourselves into this text. Are, are, are we seeing the need of the people around us? Are we really seeing the need? Are we willing to stop and engage that person in the conversation? Are we willing to act in faith to do something miraculous in the life of that person? Are we allowing the Lord to work through us to do incredible things? Or are we giving the Lord glory when He works? Is the Lord receiving the glory? Are other people seeing what's happening, seeing the miraculous things, seeing the Spirit of the Lord working through us in the lives of other people? See, I just, I just really believe, I just really, really believe that God wants to take just an ordinary group of people, like He's done all through the centuries. I think He wants to infuse us again and again with the power of the Holy Spirit. I think he wants us to be obedient to his calling. And when we do that, I think he's going to take kind of an ordinary group of people and he's going to do extraordinary things through us. And so the question becomes, Lord, through the power of your spirit, what do you want to accomplish through me? That should be our prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that we see time and time and time again, Father, your miraculous hand at work doing extraordinary things. Just amazing, miraculous, incredible things through sinful, weak, frail, ordinary people. Father, help us to, to come to grips with the truth that it's the same spirit then working in the lives of the That's the same spirit that we have now, Father. The Lord, 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 you still do miraculous things through the power of the Spirit. The Spirit still works. The Spirit, Spirit, Spirit is still just involved. So, Father, just, just help us to, to kind of get beyond ourselves and our, and our fear and our own failure. Help us to trust you more, to seek the power of the Spirit.
do miraculous things through us. And in the process, may you receive honor and glory. We love you and serve you in all things. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar's open. Maybe you want to come and and spend a few minutes in prayer for the people that are going through the difficulties with the storms. Maybe you want to stand in the gap for somebody else and pray. Maybe you'd like to speak to me, but this is your opportunity to respond. You come as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.